Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, there was a little old lady, and every morning at the crack of dawn, she went outside on her porch, raised her hands to heaven, and said, Thank you, God, for another day. Thank you for providing for me. All the neighbors, well, they grew used to it and actually kind of liked it. Until one day, her next-door neighbor moved out, and an atheist moved in. Well, that next morning, she went out, her morning ritual. Thank you, God. I rejoice in this day. Thank you for providing for me. And he yelled back, there is no God. Well, this went on for several, several weeks. And then one morning, she fell on hard times. And she went out and raised her hands, dear God, I've run out of food. Would you provide for me, dear God? Would you do a miracle? Well, her atheist neighbor thought, well, I know what I'll do. I'll go and buy a boatload of groceries, put them on her porch. And when she goes and thank God, I'll tell her, it wasn't God, it was me. Well, that very thing happened. She came out in the morning. She saw all the groceries. Oh, God, thank you for hearing my prayer. I rejoice in the miracle. And he yelled back, that wasn't God. That was me, and she raised her hands even higher and shouted at the top of her lungs, Thank you, God, for your provision, and you even had the devil deliver my groceries for me. (laughs) Well, that's a silly story for sure, but it's all about perspective, isn't it? We have a God who is real. He's not just nice, but he's necessary. There's lots of people who believe that God is nice, the great God in the sky, and they all want to go to heaven. I remember hearing about a person who said that they wanted to go to heaven when they died. I told them that heaven is the uninterrupted presence of God. And they said, that's exactly what I want. And then I said, why do you want to spend all eternity in the presence of God when you want nothing to do with him now. Now, we looked at Job last week, and today I want to continue talking about seeing God. And here's our phrase, my God cares for me. There's actually a religious belief system called deism, deism, that tries to explain theologically that, that God created the heavens and the earth. He got the engines started, and then he's left them alone. It's kind of like we're a science experiment that he created, and he ran off to a different laboratory and left us to fend for ourselves. The idea that God created the universe and now sits back and watches it like as, well, like he's watching entertainment. Now, in our short study of Job last week, this week, and next week, We're wrestling with some of the tensions that Job wrestled with. You see, Job believes in God, and Job wants to believe that God is in control, and he wants to believe that God cares for him, and yet he looks around him and doesn't see any evidence of that. Remember what we saw last week. He loses his job, his business, his livestock, 
his servants, and then his children go to his oldest son's house where there's a massive storm, and the house comes crashing down, and all his kids are killed. Job 2, verse 8 and 9, we see Job, and he's in a pile of ashes. And it says that he's scraping his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among those ashes. Those ashes are a sign of mourning. And his wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Give up, Job. You've come a long way, Job. But you're not going to make it all the way. You're not going to get through this season, Job. Maybe you've had some of your friends say that about you in the season that you're in, either now or in the past. She's seen enough. And remember, she's the mother of those children who have died too. And Job, well, that's her husband. And he's lost everything. And she's ready to walk away from God. Last week, we talked about God's power and God's strength, that God is strong and that God is in control. But here's some questions. Is God tender? Is God kind? Does He care? And does He know my life and my pain? Now, these questions could be asked by Job. We could infer from his book that these questions would be ones that he would ask. But I've been asked some of these questions as a pastor. Does God really care about me? Does He know my pain? Does He know my anguish? Does He know what's happening to my personal economy? Does He know what's happening to my family? You see, one of the most common descriptions for God in the Bible is this. Father. God is Father. Now think of all the descriptive words He could have used. All the names he could have grabbed onto. He grabs onto the name of Father, Abba Father, a personal, relatable being. Not just a God way up there, but a God right down here. And the question rises if God is a Father, then what kind of Father is God? And the questions we have about God is we, we understand his power and his strength, we understand that we are to fear him. But I wonder how many times we've asked the question, hey, God, do you care? Are you tender? Are you thoughtful? Do you see me? Am I significant to you? In Job 38, 39, and 40, God is asking Job a series of questions. We had them last week. Hey, Job, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Hey, Job, do you understand how water is held together? You know how much water there is on the planet? Hey, Job, how about the, the snowflakes that fall from the sky? Do you know how many will fall? Job, are you able to move the constellations around? And something becomes very clear that God is in control. What's he in control of? Well, the universe. Is he in, the, is he in control of every choice that you make? No way. That's called free will. You have a free choice. Is he in control of everything that happens on the planet? Well, he's God overall. He goes from talking about the expanse of the universe to baby birds. I think it's fascinating. He goes from astronomy to biology. 
And in Job 38, 41, Job, who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? What about the raven? Now, if you have ravens in your neighborhood, we do in ours. A few years ago, there was a report that Lompoc has a disproportionate amount of crows or ravens. <laughs> Some of you don't like them. But what about the raven babies? God knows when they're chirping and they want to eat. And then he goes on to say this. What about the mountain goats? <laughs> you know when they're going to give birth? And when a doe bears a fawn? And do you count the months until that doe gives birth to that beautiful fawn? And Job, Job, who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied his ropes to let him run? And we start to see this picture of God that is much more tender. He says to Job, Job, did you give the horse his strength? Did you clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom, Job? And spread his wings towards the south? Hey, Job, Job, does the eagle soar at your command and build his nest on high? From there he seeks out his food. His, his eyes detect it from afar. And here's what I think is happening. God is pointing out these different animals in the animal kingdom and how he protects and how he provides and how he cares for them. Job, Job, get a proper perspective. If you're wondering about your life and your future, I am the God who cares. I'm not just a cosmic organizer, but I'm a caring creator who delights in my creation, who's thoughtful in every way that I can be, and especially when it comes to provision for you. And so Job listens as God speaks about ravens who are hungry, as he speaks about the beauty and the strength of the horse, and as he speaks about the incredible eyesight of the eagle. You should Google that. I mean, the eagle can see, not just straight in front, but also peripherally and, and for its prey or, or for somebody that's, that's coming against it an adversary. I mean, eagles have incredible eyesight. And isn't it interesting that God gets so intricate that he talks to Job about the eyes of the eagle. And there's something about this that's very comforting. If God cares so much about the eagle, doesn't he care about you? If God can give the eagle dual-focused vision, as it's called, can't he take care of you can't he give you proper perspective? As I was reading this about the eagle, dual focus vision, I thought, that's what I want. <laughs> I want one eye on heaven, one eye on earth. I want one eye on the needs around me and one eye on my God who provides for those needs according to his riches and glory. Job 12 verse 7 says this, and I'm reading from the Message Bible. Job says, but, but ask the animals what they think. Let them teach you. Let the birds 
tell you what's going on. Put your ear to the earth. Learn the basics. Listen, the fish in the ocean will tell you their stories. Isn't it clear that they all know and agree that God is sovereign, that he holds all things in his hand? Ask the fish. (laughs) Ask the eagle. Ask the raven. Now, when you look around at creation, as you listen to the stories of the animals, don't all stories agree that God is sovereign and he holds all things together with his hand? You could ask the pigeons. I uh, grew up in Burbank, and right around the corner from me was the pigeon man. The pigeon man. He had pigeon coops all along his backyard. And he would let the pigeons go, and they would fly. I always wondered, how on earth are they going to come back? Well, these homing pigeons had no problem, because God put a supernatural, I'll call it, GPS system inside the pigeon. When I was looking up birds, I came across the Arctic tern, T-E-R-N, Arctic tern. And there are quite a few species of birds like the Arctic tern. Like the Arctic tern can fly 25,000 miles from one destination to the other, and it doesn't get lost. It doesn't have any navigational problems. And apparently, there is what is essentially a built-in magnet that allows it to understand direction and orientation based on the Earth's magnetic field, like a built-in GPS. Wow. I was reading that one of the world's leading helicopter manufacturers uses the dragonfly that God created as a model for their helicopter. I didn't say it was an inspiration. I said it was the model. They did over 2,000 computer renderings of the dragonfly and how it maneuvered as a way to design their helicopter. So all of the chapter talks about that, and then over in chapter 39, and you can tell a lot about an artist by their art. You can tell a lot about a creator by their creations. Creation not only speaks to us about the power and the strength of God, it also invites us to discover that God and how thoughtful He is, how brilliant He is, how tender he is, and how much he cares. And here's something I want to say. God does not owe Job or you or me an explanation. God, what's going on in the world? What's going on in the universe? He doesn't owe us an explanation. Yet, he shows us things to reveal himself as the father that he is. I began to think about the difficulties that some, well, some of you have gone through. Some people in our community have gone through. Some of those out at Vandenberg Air Force Base, our incredible airmen serving us, have gone through. I began to think, how do you begin to explain to somebody about the care of God when things aren't going that well? And I read a little story about a three-year-old little girl whose dad and mom, both of them, (laughs) 
four hands. We're going to take her to get some shots at the doctor. Now, I don't know how you'd explain to a three-year-old the value of a, of a pokey needle and the pain associated with it. They're not capable of fully understanding. You can give them all kinds of statistics and all kinds of values about the shot and why it might be important. But when you take them to get poked with that needle and the fear that rises, usually the fear and anxiety is greater than the shot itself. So how do you convince that child that you care for them? What if you took that three-year-old little girl over to the closet and showed the blanket or the blankets and said, you know what these are here for? These are here for when you are cold. And because we care so much, we have these blankets here for you. And then maybe you'd go over to a cabinet or some kind of a, of a pantry and say, this is where we keep your favorite cereal for when you're hungry in the morning. And this refrigerator is where we keep the milk and keep it fresh so we can pour that milk on your cereal. That sounds a lot better than explaining to that child about the value of getting poked by a needle. Everywhere around you is evidence that you are loved and cared for by our God. And so that's what God does with Job. He, he, he starts to see God's provision in ways he never understood it before. And I think part of that is because when we first met Job, everything was up and to the right. He was living the dream. He was living the life. We meet him in, in Job chapter 1 and, and verse 3. He owned over 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 teams of oxen and 500 female donkeys. I don't know how that translates, but my hunch is if you had 500 female donkeys back in that day, you're probably doing pretty well for yourself. And so the Bible describes Job as someone who has every need taken care of, and his future is secure. No plan B. No insurance policy. As I said last week, no government bailout. And what do we hear Job say in chapter 42 and verse 5? My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Now my eyes have seen I heard about you. And now I've seen you. Now what happened to Job? Well, here's some lessons. When Job sees his need for God, he sees God. Again, not just a God who's nice, but a God who's necessary. When God is all you have, you realize God is really all you need. And the other lesson is when everything around Job gets stripped away, he starts to see God in a way that he never he never had before. Maybe you're at that place with questions, or maybe you believe God is nice but not necessary. There's something about seeing our need that allows us to see our God, and we're dependent upon Him. David puts it this way in Psalm 34, 17, and 18. He says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. You've been crushed lately? You've been brokenhearted. 
over a situation, a circumstance, a relationship, something at work, something with your kids, something with your grandkids, something with your health. 1 Peter 5, 7 reminds us that if we cast all our worries and anxieties on God, then He'll take the weight from us because He cares for us. If He can make sure the Arctic turn makes it from point A to point B, if He can make sure that the baby ravens are fed, if He can make sure that the earth and how it spins and gravity and the ozone layer, all of that is working together to allow us to live right here on planet earth. He's an amazing God, but he doesn't stop there. That's what Advent is all about. It's love that came to earth. It's Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who comes and as John chapter 1 says, he, he lived among us. Or as The Message Bible says he set up his tent in our neighborhood. That's what God did. So look around and see his evidence, but understand that the greatest evidence that there is a God is not just creation. I'll grant grant you that. that. It's amazing, the creation of God. But the greatest evidence that there is a God is that he sent his son Jesus to be born of a virgin, to to live among us a perfect and pure life and then to give his life on the cross as a ransom for many. The gospel story never gets old because that's the story that transforms us. That's the story that saves us and sets us free. So as we approach Christmas, we marvel at God's care for us by sending Jesus to earth. Love came down. And take a look around and see all that God has created. Open your eyes. Don't just be myopic and look at the problems or read the headline news or all the social media. Get out and look for God. He's everywhere. Look for his presence and not his absence. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your power. Oh, I thank you for your strength. But I also thank you for your tenderness and your care. You call yourself Father, Provider, Protector, Healer. And I pray that God in this season where so much has been stripped away from us, life is different now, that you would give us eyes to see you in a way that we never have before, that we would understand these words of Job, that before all of this, maybe we had heard about you. And maybe maybe our summary of you was you're nice. But God, I pray for anybody watching right now that they will realize you're more than nice, you're necessary. That we would give you our lives as your sons and your daughters. We would come to you through Christ Jesus our Lord. And God, I just feel that there's some that are watching and maybe with their family And they're sitting there right now. I'm looking at you and and you're looking at me. I don't need you to do anything for me, but I need you to do something for you. Go over with your family and friends around you. You would say, I am opening my life to Christ. I believe he died on a cross. I believe he rose again from the dead. (laughs) And like that lady in the silly story, maybe you just want to raise your hands and say, God, 
I thank you for this day, and I welcome your salvation into my life. The biggest tragedy on this planet is for people to hear the good news of Jesus and to hear a message even like this one about a caring Father and then not open our lives to Him, turn our back on Him. Dear ones, don't do that. Open your life to God like never before. And for those of you that know the Lord, and this is a rough season for you, please remember that God is tender, that God cares, and He knows everything that you're dealing with and everything that you face. And He will never leave you or forsake you. May you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week ahead. We'll be back Tuesday night in the Book of Psalms, our Bible study. I welcome you to join me both on Facebook Live and also on our live stream. And if there's anything we can do for you, especially in this season, don't hesitate to contact the office. We can pray for you. Uh, there might be some needs that you have, tangible needs. We may be able to resource you, or we may know someone that can. So please give us a shot. We'd love to help you. Hey, God bless you. Thanks so much. And believe in God with all your heart. He's your Father. I'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.